The Carmichael Dave Show. He's on the microphone when he's not on the microphone. He's playing a song, and when he's not playing a song, he's on the microphone, and then boom! With Jason Ross. No, he didn't! Yes, he did! Call or text at 916-339-1140. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. That was funny. An off-air incident there. Jason Ross, Christopher Lott. We just get into rhythm, Jason. That's right. And it's tough when the rhythm changes. Yeah, the rhythm is going to get you. It is going to get you. Yeah. Uh, rhythm Jason, is a dancer. <laughs> Jason Ross, Christopher Lott, Carmichael Dave on vacation this week. He's back with us next week. It's Wednesday, normally at 8 o'clock. We have Katie Christensen on. Hey, don't worry. We're going to have Katie on. Uh, but she's gonna she's moving to 9 to, today. Or probably going forward, I think. it's that's That's an easier time. And uh, we normally have Niners at nine, but things kind of, you know, season's over. We'll take a little hiatus on Niners at nine. Um, but you instinctually just, you dialed Katie. I said, Chris, who are you calling? And then it was like, whoa. So did you, did she actually pick up? So like right as I was hanging, like as I'm putting my finger down to hang up, I saw that it answered. So you didn't hear her? No. But you knew she answered. I knew she answered. I was like, ah, crap. <laughs> That's the weird one. So then did you, she called back. She huh? called back. Yeah. And so we're like, good? She, yeah, yeah. She said, I thought Jason said nine. She's yeah. like, I could do eight. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have to wait another hour. We will have Katie Christensen joining us uh, at uh, nine o'clock. we got some Kings conversation coming your way. I just saw this uh, posted. I'm going to do a quick uh, guess for you, Chris. We were just talking about money, college athletes, what people make. And, you know, I, I've often said this before. I wonder if all of our opinions on athletes would change if we didn't know their salaries. For whatever reason, we do. I think it would impact everybody at their own job. If you knew what everybody at your workforce made, I don't think that's healthy. I think they would say, like, Chris, you do an amazing job. I would say, Chris, that's it? No, I don't know. I don't know what Chris makes. Um, but you would you would have a certain feel. Like, if you think everybody knows what they do, and maybe some people have their own self-evaluation problems, thinking, I do everything around here. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But if you're one of those people that think you do, and then you know – Someone maybe who's less experienced or just got there. But that's probably the one that would bother people the most. Someone that just arrives and you go, wait, they make what? I've been here for this long and they make what? Um, So it's weird that we know what athletes make and the same kind of thing. I could make a free throw if I got paid $40 million a year. But then also talking, it was good to have Doug Christie here for a bit because then you get his yeah. side of things. And you go, we do it every time. Like, we go to the website, see, like, oh, this person made this much in their career. Mm -hmm. And we showed it to Doug, and he's like, I didn't make that much. Yeah. There's different things. (laughs) He's like, well, what do you mean? Well, your contract is just like, he said (laughs) he would have made what his contract said if they won a championship. He was the MVP in the league. Oh, right, right. (laughs) And the the finals. He was an all-star. He was number one. All NBA player. He's like, once I hit that, then I would have made what they said I made. Well, let me ask you this then. I'm going to do a quick trivia. So I've got five NFL announcers. Um, what do you think? Any? I'll see if you're close on any of these. So Jim Nance, Chris Collinsworth, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Tony Romo. So we've got, let me see, two play-by-play, three analysts. What's your guess on what they make? Uh, what they make? As you said that, were you doing that in ranking like Jim Nance is number one? Um, I technically did it five to one. The 
reverse. So it's if you're going one so to Tony five. Tony Romo makes the most. Romo, Aikman, Buck, Collinsworth, Nance. Aikman makes more than Buck. Romo and Aikman basically make the same. Okay. So they're in one tier. Buck and Collinsworth make the same. And then Nance is in his own is the bottom tier, but I mean he's doing just fine. Okay. I'll say Nance and it's I'm guessing it's just for the NFL, not for like it golf stuff and, i believe that's got to be what it, it yeah. says nfl announcer salaries now again whether this is right who okay knows? nance i'm gonna say 10 million 10.5 oh uh collinsworth and buck i'm gonna say 15 okay they're both 12.5 okay well yeah. then aikman and romo have to be 15 18 okay 18 <laughs> so basically tony romo is making a million a game but we get him for the Super Bowl for free. You know what, guys? This one's on me. Do it for free. I'll do it for free. But hey, I'm going to just start saying crazy things. Yeah. You know, <laughs> at the end here, it's, like, it's kind of like second quarter. It's for the Super Bowl. It's first quarter is kind of like the second quarter. Don't think of it as overtime. Touchdowns. Jeez, win. Wow. Wait, what? What happened, Tony? 18 million. Tony. Wow. Tony. Ah, good for them. Just slightly less than that here. Just slightly less. So the Sacramento Kings are back in action tomorrow. Finally, 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 finally. The long wait. Well, it's not over. We still got to wait another day for the Kings to take on the Spurs. Yesterday, the guys got together, um, but talked a little bit about their break. Let's first hear from the head coach of the Kings, Mike Brown, on his uh, time away. A lot of fun. Uh, I just chased Iverson around the hotel all day. Ritz Carlson. Yes, it was the Ritz Carlson. That'll take a step back. We did not take a step back. Uh, I think I'm out of the doghouse, though, because, uh, you know, I kind of went on that rant. So I got the doghouse with the NBA, and I got the doghouse with Rochelle. So I had to backpedal in a lot of different directions, which I did. And I I think I'm I'm, I'm good across the board right now. So I'm feeling good. So Mike Brown got a little time away as far as Keegan Murray goes. We know he – he was in the Rising Stars Challenge. Let's hear uh, Keegan's thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean it's a different uh, format compared to the to the Sunday game, but uh, I feel like it's it's competitive, uh, especially once you get like that thirty point mark. So. Keegan was pretty funny. I know there's some videos of him out at All Star Break on different people. He would, you know, they're asking a bunch of different questions for me that he probably doesn't normally see, and just Keegan being Keegan for sure. But he also addressed that it was good to have some time off. Uh, yeah, um, when you're seeing each other every single day since uh, early September, um, you kind of just want to break from everyone. So um, it's I feel like a lot of guys needed that. Um, we came back. Um, it was like we never never missed a beat, so it was, it was good to see everyone today. Physically, too, they can, they can help? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I mean, everyone in this, in this facility has, has some sort of injury, so um, it helps a lot. All right, let's hear from De'Aaron. So a couple people talking yesterday about this break, All-Star Weekend, getting some time away. Uh, De'Aaron talking about that rest. Uh, I definitely just need a couple days away. Obviously, you know, with the issue that I have, like five days isn't going to solve it. But um, you definitely want, you definitely need that that type of break in the middle of the season. Obviously, that's why the NBA always has it. uh, Obviously, it's not super long, and you don't want it to be super long because you don't want to get out of a groove that you've had. Um, Obviously, you know, I played almost 36 minutes a game, uh, like you're in the best shape that you're going to be in. So you don't want to be, you don't want to sit down uh, for too long and obviously working out like it's not the same as playing a game. So uh, you want to try to obviously get that rest, but try to stay in as much rhythm as you can. 
Yeah, so there's kind of that balance. Rest is good. Rhythm is important. That's very much what the sport is about. But you heard De'Aaron in there. There was a little there was a little breadcrumb in there when he's like, obviously with the issues that I have. Issues? Well, you know, we've, we've all been kind of asking and wondering, what's going on with Fox? Like, he's still an incredible player, and you'll see flashes of it, and you go, man, De'Aaron Fox is playing at an MVP level. And then other nights, it's like, eh, he's not getting, like we would always say, downhill. He's not attacking the paint. He's not making... Uh, that impact that he can with his speed and his superpowers. Well, De'Aaron Fox talked about his injuries. Is that a tear? I'm sorry, James. A tear, a tear on my shoulder? Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know if we got an MRI. I don't, I don't think we ever got an MRI on it, but uh, it was never serious enough for me to, to do that. Something with the labrum, though? Uh, I have no idea. Know. Nope. <laughs> I know what a labrum is because I've heard people tear their labrum, but I know it's not that. Okay. So his shoulder, and we've seen that, Chris. I think there's been times in games where you're like, uh-oh, He's holding the shoulder, and you immediately think, oh, is he done? Is he out tonight? He just keeps playing. So I don't know if it falls in line with one of those things like, hey, everybody's banged up, and he's playing through it, but that seems to be what's going on with De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, and the way he said, like, oh, five days is going to fix it, so yeah, this is going to be is who he the rest is. of the season. Yeah, and, you know, I don't think there's any talk of any kind of surge. There isn't of any kind of that. So this is who De'Aaron's going to be, how he's going to be. Um, and, and I think we're going to get more of what we saw some days, like the, the end of the Denver game the other day, the last one before the break, he was absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible in the final two minutes of that game, um, scored what the last 10 points, maybe more than two minutes, but was the reason the Kings won. I mean, he was that dominant and that was fantastic to see. We want to see more of that. I mean, De'Aaron truly is a special player. And I, I know when we talked about maybe a month or so ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, maybe it was early January, when De'Aaron was on a run of hitting so many three-pointers, I think we even had a segment labeled, you know, when did he turn into Steph Curry? Now, he's granted, he's not that kind of a shooter, but he was making seven, eight, nine threes in a couple games in a row, and you're just going, if he does that with his ability to get downhill, he is absolutely unguardable. And... Then he started getting way too comfortable with the jump shot and stopped driving. And I thought, okay, I like the fact that he can shoot three, shooting at a much higher percentage. We always were waiting for that jump shot to develop. But if he doesn't have the the answer to it, which is truly his unguardable move, is getting to the basket with his quickness, that's that's what makes him that lethal threat, like the two, two-way threat where you can score at every level and they can't stop you from driving. If they go under the screen, he's going to shoot you know over the top. Um, but he was getting just a little bit too predictable, shooting too many threes, and maybe that was a shoulder concern or whatever the case may be. But as he finds his way, as he continues to work through the kinks, manages you know his shoulder discomfort, and the rest of the group just continues on reps and continues on ways to improve, um, that's going to be the best version of this team. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we believe is out there, all while still showing a good record but a record that hasn't been eighth compared to third a year ago, a record that if they want to get to the top six, the top four, they've got to be better in certain areas. What are those areas? Well, the guys addressed it. We'll hear their comments on what needs to improve the most. We'll have that when we come back right here on Sacktown Sports. and purple it's the carmichael dave show with jason ross on your local sports leader sacktown sports
Coming up later this hour, we're going to have your chance to win tickets to see Hannibal Burris, courtesy of Live Nation, as we've teamed up with them here at Sacktown Sports. Hannibal Burris, later this hour, coming up in about 30 minutes, your opportunity to win tickets to see Hannibal Burris right here in town uh, at the Crest Theater later in uh, March. All right. Uh, Kings, Spurs tomorrow night. Kings had their first workout after the All-Star break last night, and we were talking about ways to get better, right? Where the Kings are right now, they're in okay position. In the Western Conference, they're healthy. That's good. They're in the mix. They're in the race. They've got a little cushion on the teams behind them, a much larger cushion on the from the play-in spot out, so like the 11 spot. But their target, as Monty McNair said to Carmichael Dave last Friday, top six, ideally top four to get a home court playoff series. So if you look at how many games back there of the sixth spot, just one and a half. How many games back of the four seed, that's some work. Four and a half. Not sure they can get there. They're going to have to play great in the final stretch of the season, the last 28 games. We've had some suggest as many as 20 wins. If they got to 20, I'd like their chances of being in the top four. 20 and 8 finish would be pretty spectacular. You're obviously beating up on some Western Conference teams there. They got some tough games coming up. Certainly, they got more home games, 17 of them at home, 11 on the road. You still got one more East Coast road trip. Um, you haven't even played the Knicks yet. You got two with them. There's about four or five teams that you play twice still, and a lot of them are good teams. So it, it's, you know, I, I'm looking at the teams that they still play that are right in their cluster. Like they play the Suns one more time, the Pelicans one more time, the Mavs twice. The Lakers another time. How they do with that? Maybe the Lakers twice. Are they the Lakers twice? I think they do. They're in here. So how they do with them? Um, still another game with the Nuggets. Two more with the Clippers. One more with the Thunder. Another one with the T-Wolves. I mean, look, it's it's the one team in the top ten they don't play anymore is the Warriors. They're done with them. So they're going to be able to dictate the terms of their finish. We say, they'll like to say they control their own destiny. They really do. Now, it would be nice to get some help, but they need to work on some things like Mike Brown says. They need to improve certain parts of their defense, including defending the arc. But, you know, as as crazy as it sounds, uh, defensively for us, uh, we've made improvements in a lot of areas. The one area that's hurting us, it's hurting us really bad because we're not good at it is defending the three-point line uh we're dead last in defending the three-point line and uh and you know even if 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 we were basically average or slightly above average defending the three not even the best but uh slightly around average our defense rating we'd be eighth in the nba and that's pretty good at this point in the season and that's a huge jump and uh so there are areas that we have to improve upon when it comes to closing out, not just the hot guys, but the non-hot guys as well. And uh, so our technique, our sense of urgency, all that has to be on par. And that's probably the biggest thing that we, we, we've talked about defensively. But I, I, I like the, the direction we're headed on that end of the floor, uh, with the exception of us uh, defending the three-point line. And if we can get that corrected, uh, I think we'll – be in a pretty good position to finish this stretch run and and go into the playoffs. And that area is interesting for me because I don't know if there's something that they're 
structurally doing wrong, um, if it's by coincidence, other teams are always hot. Well, when you're this far into the season and you're dead last in something, it can't just be a coincidence. There's one more follow-up here with Mike Brown on the problem with the three-point defense. Mike, have you been able to identify the issue with the three-point defense? Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, you know, our, our right now we got our closeout technique has to be better. Uh, teams aren't feeling us uh, as much as uh, they should. So we have to really uh, concentrate on, on our closeout defense, and, and it's relevant or evident because you know what we call hot guys—they're shooting about forty percent against us, and non-hot guys are shooting about forty percent against us. And so um, our, our closeouts have to be uh, a lot better, and our sense of urgency on our closeouts. So, and when I say our closeouts, that means the proximity to where we close out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how we could test and the sense of urgency to get there. Well, a lot of this, too, I think is is a little bit scheme. Like if you watch the Kings, you know, some of the stuff just based on the way the roster is constructed or what they put out on the floor continually is is a smaller team. And so when DeMontis Sabonis is your center, you get so many wonderful things with that. A great rebounder. He's not a rim protector. He He's in there. He can, he can try to block shots. But I think they do their part to protect the paint. Makes some sense in that, too, where generally you shoot a higher percentage in there and can do a lot of damage on a team when you give up a bunch of points in the paint. So if you're going to give up something, you want to give up something outside the arc or at least a longer shot. Well, right now teams are making more. But some technique things Coach is talking about that certainly could be amplified and worked on uh, to get better. Coach Brown also talked about another area, and this one, uh, there's no doubt we've all seen this. It's been an area of frustration, I know, for everyone out there, for the players themselves, for me. Uh, free throw shooting has to get better. Um, and, and offensively, the reality of it is uh, um, our free throw efficiency. You know, if our free throw efficiency was better than what it was, than what it is, excuse me, you know, even especially like if it was, if we were the same as last year, um, we'd be a top 10, maybe even top five offense very easily, you know, and, and so we're doing, our guys are doing a lot of good things, and they have to continue to try to uh, perform at a high uh, level in a lot of different areas. But there are, again, a couple of areas that we can really improve on offensively and defensively. I just gave you the, probably the one major one in each category, but there are a couple of areas that we need to focus on and try, like the Dickens, to become a lot better than what we are right now. Yeah, to me, the free throw one's a little bit of a head-scratcher because some of the guys are just shooting lower than they normally do. Um, I, I think it becomes has become a mental thing. I don't know any other way to say it. They shoot it enough. Over their lifetime, I bet they've shot a million free throws, maybe more. They know how to do it. They know the premise. They know the routine. They have the same routine. Um, it's they, And there's been games where they've been good and effective at it. There's been plenty of games where it's hurt them and cost them games. So I think it, it, especially a guy like Malik Monk, who was so good early on, you, you got to believe it's something that's entered and, and uh, made it more of a mental thing with him. All right, a couple more thoughts. Let's uh, hear from the players. De'Aaron Fox also talking about what Coach is saying about improving on the defense. Uh, I feel great. I feel confident. Obviously, uh, you know, the last game that we played, um, I think we did I think we did a great job on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, continue to focus in on that, obviously, and uh, – 
control the things that we can control, and that's being a better team defensively, especially guarding the three-point line. Obviously, we don't give up a lot of threes, but uh, teams are shooting almost 40% against us, and that's like unheard of. So uh, we have to be better in that aspect, and if we can be, um, we can be a really good team. Yeah, so again, improvement everywhere, lock-in on defense. I think we're seeing a guy like Keegan Murray uh, working a lot on that end, and he talked about having to guard really the opposing team's best players, and Keegan's done a good job with that. Uh, I mean, I feel like I've been I've been doing a pretty good job. Um, I try I try and do my best out there. Obviously, you're, I'm guarding superstars every night, um, the best guys in the league. So um, the foul the foul trouble it is what it is. But um, I feel like I've I've been doing a good job in that aspect. Just just helping other guys around um, have little have less um, on their plate on defense. And I know the nights where they're missing maybe some of Keegan's offense, you are getting quality defense from him. There's some of the metrics that are out there. We're showing he's been one of the best ISO one-on-one defenders in the league. And it's, you could just see it. And the coaching staff is more than comfortable with putting him on as a stopper or at least a, a guy that slows down some other elite scores around the NBA. Lastly, more from Keegan. Most importantly, it's kind of looking to tomorrow, locking in one game at a time. Spurs are next. That's the team in front of them. I, mean, I haven't looked at it. We're just worried about San Antonio at this point. Um, the one thing we can't do is look ahead at our games. We just need to take one game at a time and um, just put our best foot forward every single night. You know what's funny about that, and I get it. I mean, I don't. I, I know that's an athlete uh, speech, a speak and everything, one game at a time. That's how they have to approach it, but I've, I've always looked at the schedule and looked ahead and know what's coming up. Um, it doesn't mean I'm looking past the team you're playing, but you just kind of – have an idea of where the the landmines are. It's like, man, there's a six-game road trip coming up with all teams above 500. Let's really lock in going into that. And then, oh, by the way, tonight we play this team. Yeah, I'm focused on this team. But I don't know. It's interesting that the way, whether or not they say it and mean it or just say it to say it because it's been something that's been said for so many years. All right, there's some thoughts on what the guys are saying. Uh, What's the league think about where things are right now and specifically the Kings? But how about that MVP race? Looking at what NBA.com, they've got a, on NBA.com, they've got the MVP ladder. They basically have rankings of, of who leads in the MVP race. A name that has now made their list is DeMontis Sabonis. He hasn't even made, didn't even make the all-star team, but right now they've got him sixth in the MVP race. Can he actually win it? It's probably a stretch, but we'll see if we can make a case. We'll try that when we come back here on Sacktown Sports. Dave Show with Jason Ross. Call or text at 916-339-1140. On Sacktown Sports. Katie Christensen set to join us at 9 o'clock. Jason Ross here with you. Chris Verlaud, Carmichael Dave is off this week, back with us next week. All right, so uh, NBA basketball's second portion of the schedule begins tomorrow, Kings included, when they take on the San Antonio Spurs. I mentioned uh, last segment we were talking about the MVP ladder, which is uh, something that NBA.com does where they basically rank the players that they believe have the best chance to win the MVP. We're going to try to make a case for DeMontis Sabonis here in a moment, but... 
Uh, let's talk some Kings first with our guy, JR. JR, good morning. Good morning, Jay. What's going on? How are you? Good. You and Chris running the, the airplane, you know, and where where is old CD? Uh, I don't know. He, New took, York? he took the wings with him. Took the fire wings with him? Yes, he did. <laughs> hey, I like your scenario, though. I, I'm going to go 18 and 10 also. 18 and 10? Here. Okay. I'm going to go 18 and 10. Where, do that fit, where uh, would that put him? I'm going to give him the, the six. Okay. That put, puts him right above the border. Yeah. So they don't have to threaten themselves going on the road. Um, it's going to be real interesting. I, I hope, and I think we all hope this, with Sabonis and Fox being slighted here in what was the worst venue of All-Star ever in the history of the world. <laughs> that they are a little slighted and they play on this little bit of a pissed off level, which they already play at a great level. We know we love our two boys, but maybe even raise it up a notch. Yeah, right? but Angry Fox is a pretty good version of, of Deion Fox. I like Angry Fox. It's like a cartoon character. And, hey, question on that idea, man, here. You know the old song Fox on the Run, right? I do. Old 70s song. Why aren't they playing that in the arena when he gets a breakaway and goes like, you know, runs like a 2 two four forty? They should be doing the Fox on the Run. I might have to call someone and help with, you with want, the ideas. You there want 70s marginal music being played during the Fox on the Run, right? <laughs> hey, that's hey, Guardians of the Galaxy made a whole friggin' trilogy out of it, so let it roll, brother. It worked for Great them. Great show. Love you. Thank you, JR. Chris appreciate doing that. doing an okay job, too. Chris <laughs> is a good man. He is. Keep him. Bye. Bye. There's JR uh, checking in. So, um, he's right. I mean, 18 to 10 would be nice. I'd take that. I think that would put the Kings in the top six and secure uh, at least – out of that playing game now, the top six would not. You still have to go on the road in the first round. Uh, top four, obviously, you get home court. All right, so here we go. Uh, the MVP ladder we're talking about. Here's where their rankings are right now in the NBA, according to NBA.com. Uh, we're going to give some other candidates mentioned uh, Devin Booker, Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese actually has to worry about the 65 game plateau. Carl Anthony Towns, those are five more. Uh, that are listed outside their top 10. At number 10, they have Anthony Davis. Number 9, Kevin Durant. Number 8, Donovan Mitchell. He also has to worry about games played. In a tie for sixth, Kawhi Leonard and DeMontis Sabonis. So everybody I mentioned in the others list, Towns, Halliburton, Edwards, Brunson, Booker, Davis, Durant, Mitchell, Kawhi, all All-Stars. DeMontis was not, but right now they currently have him listed as sixth in the MVP race. He finished fifth, if I'm not mistaken, last year. Jason Tatum, fifth. I've actually thought he would be a little bit higher. Luka Doncic, four. Giannis, three. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, two. And number one, Nikola Jokic. Jokic is, you know, in an interesting position because to me, when you, I ask this question every time we're talking about awards, what is your definition of MVP? Because I think that is a little bit different with everyone. I like to go on kind of a hybrid of a combination of things. One, obviously a great player with having a great season of stats on a team that's winning that I also like to imagine the team without them, what they'd look like. So truly value. So like if you took Jokic off the Nuggets, I don't think they're very good. No, that's not fair. They're not what they are. Whereas if you took, let's say, Jason Tatum off Boston, they'll they'll, they'll be fine. They'll function. 
I still think he's a great player, their best player, an important player. You take Giannis off the Bucks, they've got some other pieces. They're they're not going to be the same. I mean, all these guys kind of fit that. So, but to me, like the one that just jumps out the most is Nikola Jokic on just that kind of MVP premise. He's got stats. They've got a good record. He's the most important piece. He's unguardable to an extent. Um, he makes everybody better. He's been a two-time MVP. It just it feels right to me. Joel Embiid was playing great. He's now obviously not going to be qualified anymore. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is an interesting one. He's putting up, I mean, just amazing numbers offensively, and he's number one in steals. Um, and the team has done a nice thing. You've got to also have the record part of it. And if you look at standings, I think a guy like Luka Doncic, I mean, Dallas is seventh. That's an area, if we're trying to make a case for DeMontis Sabonis, that hurts him. Currently in eighth. So how how would you get DeMontis Sabonis on this MVP ladder to win the MVP? No Sacramento King has ever won an MVP. If I remember right, I want to say in 2001 or two, Chris Webber finished second, I think, behind Garnett. Chris, you're going to look that up? Yeah, I, I'm, I think C-Webb finished second or third. I don't know if ever has finished any closer than that in the history of the Sacramento Kings. So how on earth could DeMontis Sabonis win this MVP? So let's try to make this case. If you want to text in how it can be done. And, and you know, we're, we're stretching here. Um, Someone's saying on the text line, I can't remember a year a dude gets MVP votes but didn't get make an all-star team. Pretty sure that hasn't happened. Well, last year, Sabonis and other – yeah, people have made the all-star team or all-NBA team – and not made the all-star team. So I'm assuming some people have gotten, um, you know, MVP votes when they didn't make the all-star team. Did you find that results yet, Chris? Uh, what year were you looking for? I want to say it's like 01, 02, 2000. I think it was when Garnett won the MVP. Was C-Web second or third? There uh, was a when time. When Garnett won. Maybe I'm off a year. I. Oh, no, yeah. Garnett won in like 04, huh? Yeah, he won in 03, 04. Okay. I, the closest I see uh, Weber is he was fourth in the 2000-2001 season. Really? Okay, who won that year? Uh, Allen Iverson. Iverson, okay. So Sabotas finished fifth last year. Weber's finished fourth. It's tough for the Sacramento Kings one. You know, we just know a smaller market. But look, Shea Gilgis Alexander right here is, is number two. It can be done. So how would Sabonis have to do it this year? Well, first and foremost, in the last 28, they have to play great. They have to move considerably up in the standings and likely be in a top four team. Other areas that can make it happen. Uh, I say make it happen. I don't know. This This is a long, 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 long shot. Statistically, I think people are automatically jump to points per game. It's just something that we – it's a default. How do you win games? You score more points than the other team. We're enamored by the people in the top of scoring. I don't know if you realize this. DeMontis Sabonis, who's averaging 20 points per game, that's a pretty good number. He's 50th in the league in scoring at 20.1 points per game. That, to me, really surprised me, that he's 50th in scoring. At 20.1, Bam Adebayo, Porzingis, Webanyama, Murray, Rozier, Hero, Franz Wagner, Cam Thomas, 
Alperin, Shingun, all these guys scoring more than him, and everybody else on the MVP list scoring more than him. Now, what he has advantages of, he's number one in rebounds. Assists, I think this is just totally telling. He's sixth in the league in assists. Now, the problem is, Nikola Jokic, also a center, is fourth, but he's catchable. DeMontis Sabonis, a half assist per game behind Nikola Jokic. He's sixth. If he passed Jokic, he could likely pass James Harden, too. I don't know that he can get all the way to Luka Doncic. So if he got ahead of somehow Nikola Jokic in assists, won the rebounding title, finished in the top five in assists, continues and breaks the double-double streak, which he's closing in on Kevin Love for consecutive double-doubles, leads the league in triple-doubles, and gets the Kings to a top four, I don't know. And it's it's all about a season award. That's about as much momentum as he could get. I still think he would come up short, but that's about the way to do it. He'd have to move up in scoring, catch Jokic in assists, continue to lead the league in rebounding, and help the team in moving into the top four. All possible... And I think even if all of that happened while, what did I say, continue to break the double-double streak and lead the league in triple-doubles, I think he finishes in the top maybe even three, but I don't think he wins it. Because then I think you're arguing Jokic versus Sabonis. And Jokic then can also go, look, I'm 3-0 so far against him this year if they beat him a fourth time. Did you find other numbers, Chris? I saw you doing some number crunching. It's a little too far-fetched. I was saying how many he would have to average to average a triple-double. Yeah, it's a lot more than... (laughs) 13.2. Assists? Yeah. Yeah. Which shows you how great, like, the year when Westbrook did. I mean, because he's so far... I feel like Sabonis has been doing it late. He's always been a... But he might have four in a game or six early on. Now he's getting close to 10 every night. Yeah, and then the... And also, uh, Westbrook kind of ruined the triple double mm-hmm. because the first time, oh, MVP, yeah, yeah. Was it, that's the first time since Did he Oscar do it three in a row, yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and then, then like, like the third time is like, okay, whatever, no big deal, yeah. I mean, Sabonis this month, for example, is averaging ten point three. You said he would need to average what per game? Thirteen point two. Let me see how many times has he had thirteen or more assists this year? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six, six, seven, seven times. Yeah. Don't think that's going to happen. But the other parts, so Chris, if he did the scenario, I said, improve the Kings to a top four, moved up the scoring, you know, he's 50th, 20.1. He can move up, but whatever. Um, Lead the league in rebounding, pass, get to the top five in assists and pass Jokic. Break the double-double streak, which is, he's really close to that. And then uh, lead the league in triple-doubles. I still don't think he wins it. Nope. Yeah. Isn't that a shame? Uh, he can yeah. do all of that, and I don't think he But if he was on the Lakers. Uh, he'd, he'd win it twice in the same year. Unbelievable. But good for him to be on that list. Good for him to be playing like that, and uh, hopefully he continues with more of the same. All right. Right now is your chance as we step aside. 1-800-920-1140. 916-339-1140. For you to win a pair of tickets to see Hannibal Burris. Live Nation has teamed up with Sacktown Sports for your chance to see Hannibal Burris at the historic Crest Theater in downtown Sacramento. That's coming up March 22nd. All you have to do is hit up the Folsom Lake Honda hotline right now, and we're looking for caller number two 
to score the pair of tickets to pull up to Hannibal Burris next month. If you want more information, just go to sacktownsports.com. Again, 1-800-920-1140 or 916-339-1140. When we return, we have two questions. Who's hot? Who's not? We'll answer those. And we got some baseball notes. All that coming your way before we get to Katie Christensen at 9. Straight ahead here on Sacktown Sports. What's hot? Yeah, hot. Real hot. And what's not? It's not good. Brought to you by American Energy Heating and Air, Sacramento's complete heating and cooling company, and second opinion partner. St. Mary Gales. What? They're currently 18th in the nation and are on a 14-game winning streak. During the streak, they have had 293 more points than its opponents, 157 more rebounds, 108 more assists, 35 more steals, and 23 more blocks. No Division I team in the last 25 years has matched all of those differentials in any 14-game span. You know what you've just done? What's that? You have just put that school in my head. So when the bracket comes out, I'll go, oh, yeah, they're hot. Sleeper. Yeah, I'll go, oh, that's a – watch. I, I got them three rounds all of a sudden, and I've not seen them play a game. But that's how it works. I love that. I love that. Um, so if they're hot, who's not? The Washington Wizards. They, didn't, they haven't played. Yeah, but they currently have the longest losing streak, <laughs> eight games in a row. Okay. They also we've also talked about how terrible Detroit has been. Historically bad, Detroit Pistons. Wizards are only one game above them. <sighs> the Wizards. What is Marvin Bagley's winning percentage? He went from the Kings Oof. to the Pistons to the Wizards. And the bad version of the Kings. That's a good question. Man. Who was it that came here years ago that had the long – oh, it was Sharif Abdurrahim, long, long time ago. Had one of the wor- It was like the, the best player that had never been to the postseason and his first time in the postseason was I think the last year the Kings made it in 06. But he had been on the Hawks when they were really bad and the uh, Grizzlies. And finally, finally made the postseason. Mm-hmm. Well, that's who's hot, who's not. We did get a winner, right, for our Hannibal Burris tickets? Yes, we did. All right. Mike. Congrats to Mike taking them down. Jess is trying. She's trying. One of our faithful listeners. Jess, tomorrow's your day. Maybe. Maybe even Friday. I'm hoping. We're pulling for you to get you to go see Hannibal Burris. Uh, Major League Baseball will be starting here pretty soon. Spring training starts tomorrow. Um, the regular season will be going uh, still a few weeks away from that. Saw some news yesterday. We talked uh, last week, I believe, about the news, the Oakland A's getting a um, new broadcast team uh, or a new broadcast announcer, I should say, as Chris Carey has been added as the play-by-play announcer. And le- he joins Jenny Kavnar, who also was announced uh, maybe a week or so ago. But if you're hearing that name, Chris Carey, Chris Carey, is that any relation Oh, you bet it is. 
Uh, Chris Carey is, let's see, we got to go through the lineage here. He is the great grandson of Harry Carey. His grandfather was Skip Carey, and his father is Chip Carey. He said all Wait, along. Who's his grandfather? Skip. So that would make him his great grandfather. Harry is his yes. great grandfather. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great grandfather of Harry Carey, or great grandson. His grandfather is Skip. His father is Chip. And here's Chris Carey. He said since he's four, he's known he's wanted to be a baseball announcer. Gee, I wonder why. Yes. I mean, clearly in their family. And he's going to be the newest member of the Oakland A's. That would be one, like, not that <laughs> there's expectations, if that's what you want. But, like, you, you know you're going to be an announcer, right? No, I want to be an architect <laughs> or whatever else. I don't know. I want to go into uh, law school. Sure. Nope, you're going to be a baseball announcer. No, I, I get it. That's a fun passion. That's a great opportunity. And uh, the Oakland A's will have themselves a uh, new-looking broadcast team. I saw this, too, as well on MLB.com was listing their uh, opening day lineup. So we were doing this, what, a week or so ago with Dave when we were just talking about how different it is now when you're trying to um, guess everybody's lineup or figure out who – it used to, used to be a different thing. Years ago, you could just name everybody around the horn, who they played, who they had years ago. I don't know why it's changed, but it has, and I'm even a baseball fan. Dave, what did he quiz us on, Chris? Was it like the top 10 batting averages, just even like their last names, I think, of people yeah. or something like that, which uh, that was that was a chore. No, what I think has hurt personally myself huh. from not knowing any of the players is baseball video games. That's what got you into it? No, that's not what it but that's how I remembered all okay. the all the players in the league. What you were a Red Sox fan. I don't even know if you would you even call yourself a Red no. Sox fan anymore. How far back can you go where you could pretty much name like the fielding lineup? Where Probably, we go, I know who's at first, second, short, third. I've like, got such a terrible memory. But do you know like you <laughs> Nomar was your guy. Noma. Yeah, Noma. Do you know who played around him for the most part? Or is it just Nomar? Nomar. I'm trying to think if I could do it. Kevin Millar. He was at first. First. Bill Miller was at third. Okay. Nomar was at shortstop. I don't know who was Was Pedroia there then? No. I think. Um, and Euclid wasn't there yet? Or was no. he around? Okay. He, I think he would, that might have been around his rookie season. Okay. <laughs> I think 04 was his rookie season. Gotcha. Oh, man. I'm trying. Now that I've. <laughs> see, I've got a terrible memory. Johnny Damon and this player were running at each other when the A's Red Sox series and blasted into each other. Wasn't Manny there? Manny was there. Ortiz was there. Yeah. Jason Veritek. Yeah. But see how you can, I mean, it's, even with struggling to remember, you're saying, yeah. but you're getting, you know, 90, 90% of the people. <laughs> um, if I asked you, and not trying to put you on the spot, do you think, I'm going to look at the Red Sox projected starting lineup. How many do you think you can name? Uh, is Devers still there? Yes. Uh, they have him. Xander got traded, correct? Yeah, a year ago. I think Devers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at this going, wow. Oh, my gosh. I'm having a, a hard time with it. All right. 
Jaron Duran, who was one of their prospects, I remember who was there last year, followed by Dev. This is their projected lineup: Devers, Trevor Story, Tristan Cassis, uh, Yoshida, O'Neal, Abreu, Grissom, and Wong. Uh-uh, it's not doing it for me. I just don't know. Like the Yankees lineup, I know I follow this team, but it feels like a lineup that, well, maybe it's because I follow the team. DJ LeMahieu, Juan Soto, Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo, Glaber Torres, your guy, Alex Verdugo, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, Anthony Volpe, and Jose Trevino. Man, that's the projected lineup for the Yankees, which should be good. I was looking at the A's. This is just scary. And, and we, we have fear that the Oakland A's are going to have a rough season, and we understand they've had rough seasons. This is the projected lineup for the Oakland A's. And we even carried their games. We've talked to their people. I recognize a few of these names. Uh, Ryan Noda, Zach uh, Geloff, I believe. Brent Rooker, know that name. Seth Brown, no. Shea Langoliers, J.J. Blade, Jordan Diaz, Nick Allen, Lawrence Butler. Man. Nate Littlefield, backup second baseman. <laughs> um. Starting rotation of Paul Blackburn, J.P. Sears, Ross Stripling, Alex Wood, Joe Boyle. Wow. And I still think baseball has as good of players as they've had in a long time. There's so much good young talent in baseball right now. It's not even young, good talent all the way through. Really a lot of good players. And I still think it's a great time to go to games. I still watch games, listen to games. It's it's just it's sad to me that it hasn't turned out to be for everyone. And you can't make it be, but I feel like people watch the postseason, maybe some games intermittently, but the consistent draw is what's been tough for for the majority of people. But it'll be here uh, before you know it. Also, our last hour is here before you know it. Coming up in the next hour. We're going to close out the show, as we always do, with some crosstalk with Styles and Watkins. We've got celebrity birthdays today. Let me check a quick perusal of our list. It's okay. It's an all right list today for this February 21st for those joining uh, celebrating birthdays. But uh, we nearly talked to her at 8. We are officially going to talk to her at 9. Our next guest will be joining us here, Katie Christensen, King's television analyst. We're going to talk to Katie about what some of those things we played earlier. Mike Brown talking about improvement on Defense, three-point line specifically, improving the free-throw shooting. De'Aaron Fox and his shoulder injury, how much an issue is that? We'll preview the San Antonio game tomorrow and really the final 28, what she thinks needs to happen for the Sacramento Kings. We'll do all that and more as Katie Christensen joins us on the other side right here on Sacktown Sports and SacktownSports.com.